The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is the Gospel of the Lord. It's easier to notice these words in this part of the service if, like me, you did not grow up Lutheran. When you come into the Lutheran church, especially Calvary, we begin, of course, by singing a hymn. But the first part of the service is confession, absolution, which ends with this high point. I climb the steps, and in the space and in the stead of Jesus Christ, I say to the congregation that has just confessed their sins, I forgive you all your sins. These words in the Lutheran service are a lightning rod for some. If you've never thought about it twice, that's just fine and good. But for a lot of people, especially Protestant Christians that come into the Lutheran church, these are jarring words to hear. I'm here to worship Jesus, and here is this schleppy fellow who is saying, I forgive you your sins. That takes some chutzpah, does it not? It seemed that way to a lot of people I talked to in college who, once I became a Lutheran, I said, this is a great church. The gospel's very clear here. I understand the cross of Jesus Christ and Easter so much more than I ever did before. You should come check out our worship service. And they would come. And I remember a few friends saying to me, what did the pastor just say? What did he just say to the congregation? Who is he to do that? And many people dislike it. I have some email exchanges I could probably still find in my inbox buried there. I'm not good at cleaning it out. And they were back and forth with people about this very issue, this very part of our service. The person said, you can't say that. The Lutheran pastor cannot get up there and say, I forgive you all your sins. And they greatly disliked it. And that's actually what kept them away from the church. And there are other, though, others, though, of course, like me, that loved it. 
speaking as someone in college who had the weight of my sins on my back, which is what led me to my church shopping, among other things, when I came into the Lutheran church and heard Pastor Burdick say in the stead and by the command of Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins, I thought, yes, that's what I want. That's what I'm here for. More of that, please. People either love it or they hate it. And that's been my encounter with it. Or maybe a few have never thought too much about it. But for the most part, if you're talked about it, there are immediate trenches and lines that people go on concerning that part of the service. And generally, I think the line that I've heard the most from the people that don't like it or are uneasy about it at best is that only God can forgive sins. Only God can forgive people's sins. Not a person, not a man, not a pastor. Now, if you hear that sentence, only God can forgive sins, I wonder if that sounds familiar to you from the Gospels. You see, there's somebody that speaks that very sentence in the Bible and to our Lord, and they aren't on the good side of things. You can look this up in several of the Gospels, but we'll use the Mark 2 one if you have a Bible and want to turn to it. It's when Jesus heals the paralytic. Do you remember he was up at Capernaum and staying, I believe, in the house that he was actually living in when he lived up there? And, of course, at that point, everybody's there trying to hang on to his words and listen to him and understand the message that he was giving. So it was packed in. You couldn't get in that house if you wanted to. So when this group of guys brings their good friend who's a paralytic and can't walk to him, they've got nothing to do except for go up on the roof and remove what was presumably, I hope, a skylight, not the roof itself, and lower the man in to where Jesus could get to him and heal him. And we know the story. This is one of them that's in our lectionary, so we hear it often. Jesus looks at the man. It says he sees their faith. And he says to the man, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. I think the word used, maybe not, but at least the sentiment is there. The scribes who are present, it's kind of like referees checking to make sure everything's above board. They grumbled among themselves and they said, who can forgive sins but God alone? And they had a point though, didn't they? Whenever somebody has a grievance against somebody else, the person that has the grievance that something has been done, something done wrong to them, they're the person that has the power of the keys, okay? The power of absolution, the power to actually say, I forgive you. I was trying to think of a good example of this, so let's go ahead and say that Rick throws a rock through Ed's window. Don't do it, Rick, but if he did do this, and then Ed sees the window and it's broken, and he's like, oh, this is terrible. Why would you do that, Rick? And then Lonnie comes and says, don't worry about it, Rick. Ed's going to turn to Lonnie and said, who in the world are you to say, don't worry about it? It's not your window, but out it's my window. Rick's got to make me whole, right? We understand it's absurd for a third party to come in and interject himself, speaking words that are not his to speak, giving a message that is not his to speak, to give. Okay? The person with the grievance, that's the person who has the power to pardon or not pardon. That's the person with the power of the message to give or not to give. 
But here's the thing that people who don't like the absolution, the I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, here is the thing that they seem to be forgetting. You can delegate a message. You can give somebody a message that is yours to give, but say to somebody else, I want you to deliver this message for me. And that is what God certainly does. The scribes are right. Aren't they right? Forgiveness is God's alone to forgive. He's the one we're sinning against. He's the one that can say, I forgive you or I don't forgive you. But he can communicate that forgiveness however he wants to. Okay? So Ed can't get together with Rick. So he says, you tell Tessus to Lonnie. Lonnie, go tell Rick it's okay. That's for me. That can happen. Then Lonnie can give that message. Doing the count tomorrow is going to be an interesting conversation. I want to see how this all plays out. You have this in the Old Testament, though, don't you? God has a message for his people. So he gives specific people the job of telling the people that message. What was Moses, right? And the patriarchs. Consider the prophets, all of them that had the message to speak to the people from God. And finally, of course, in the New Testament, what we're considering today from John chapter 20, the apostles I am God, have a message for you. I want you to go out and tell this message to everybody on my behalf. And that's what's going on here on Easter evening when Jesus breathes on the disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is plain as anything else in the Bible. We know that Jesus Christ is not a mere man only, but he is God, God himself. And therefore, he has authority to do this delegation that he does to the apostles and to their church and the successors, the pastors even today. And it's not hard to understand why the Lord does this, right? A lot could be said to us from God. God has a lot of messages to tell people a lot of things, a lot of information to communicate to his church. To tell us, to remind us that he created us. He is our creator. Something that I preach on from time to time. We're not our own, but we are God's. He has a message to say that he provides for us. Not the grocery store or the economy, but finally your bread comes from the Lord. And that he is the one that protects us from danger. Not anti-lock brake systems and the like. But... There is a most pressing, a top pressing message from God that must be communicated. That is, as important as the rest of those are, above those things. And it is essential to the existence of God's people in this world. And that is forgiveness. The forgiveness of sins. That the blood of Jesus Christ on Good Friday atoned for sins. And all who trust in him have their sins and their ledger completely wiped out. That is a very important message. In Matthew 16, there was a bit of a back and forth, you might remember, between Jesus and the disciples. And he said, who do other people say that I am? And they spitball. Some say the prophet. Some say Elijah. Well, who do you say that I am? And Peter makes the good confession. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus commends that confession. He says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. This is not from men. This is from God. And you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Speaking about his confession, not his person. 
And then he talks about this. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. You see, with this bedrock of the church, this rock of who we are and what we are, what does Jesus give at the same time? The message that he is sending messengers to the people to forgive sins, to bind and to loose according to his will and word. That is what the church is all about. We talk about creation, provision, protection, and everything else that comes from God. We are right to do that. But the central thing for who we are and why we are here gathered every weekend when we come together is because we are sinners who need Jesus Christ and his forgiveness. And so what does Jesus Christ give us? A man. Faulted, sure. But a man and a messenger to say, You're forgiven. I forgive you. On behalf of King Jesus, I forgive you all of your sins. Forgiveness is won on the cross, but he has given it to us. In the word and sacraments, he has given it to us. In holy baptism, in the word of absolution, in the supper. And let us thank God that he gives us someone to speak his word of pardon and peace to us this day and until we leave this life to go be with him forever. In his name, amen.